The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! Sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, usually joined by my co-host, Aaron Murray. Aaron has one more week of minicamp with the XFL's Tampa Bay Vipers, and he will be back in the fold so we can get everybody ready for the college football playoffs and, of course, the national championship game. But in the meantime, I am here with you riding solo to get you caught up on all the latest news and storylines around college football. We actually have a couple of good things to talk about on today's episode. We're going to talk specifically about two quarterbacks, one being the recent Heisman Trophy winner, Joe Burrow. I think we need to dive in a little bit deeper on what he was able to accomplish this season and why he won the Heisman Trophy. And then the other is Jake Fromm, one that we're all familiar with. Will he or won't he go pro this year? It seems like silence can be deafening, especially when you would expect to hear a decision any day now. In the meantime, please be sure to sign up for our Punt and Pass Bowl Pick'em League. We are going to be giving away pretty awesome prizes for the top three entries. Check us out on social media. Be sure to sign up for it. It is super easy. It's wide open, and all you have to do is pick who you think is going to win each of the 40 bowl games. Go to at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. You can find it there. You can find it on my Instagram, at DrewButler13, or Twitter, at DrewButler13, and Aaron's as well, at AaronMurray11. And, of course, this episode is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy simplified, and they have an awesome offer for all of our Punt and Pass listeners all you have to do is download the Prize Picks app, use the promo code PNP, and you will receive a free $25 to get started on Prize Picks. All you have to do when you're on Prize Picks is pick a couple of players. It doesn't even matter which sport they're playing. I did NFL Sunday Night Football last night with the Bills and Steelers. And I won. I love prize picks. It's tons of fun. You can do hockey. You can do basketball. You can do college basketball, college football. It doesn't matter. Pick a couple of players. Guess if they're going to go over or under their fantasy point projections and win. It's that easy. You don't have to play against fantasy pros. You do not have to beat anybody except the system. It is awesome. MyPrizePicks.com. Download the Prize Picks app. Use the promo code PNP and you will get a free $25 
to play, and I think they're going to be giving away some awesome prizes as well with our bowl pick them. Sign up for prize picks, download the app, use the promo code PNP, follow them on social media as well at prize picks. Follow us at punt and pass. Get involved with everything, guys. It's the holiday season. You're about to be at home around a ton of family. Coincidentally, there are lots of sports on. The best way to stay involved with the sports on TV and maybe get away from your family, sneak away for a little bit, download prize picks, use the promo code PMP, and win money. It is tons of fun. All right, let's dive right in to this episode, get you caught up on everything that's happening in and around college football. Most notably last weekend, the Heisman Trophy ceremony took place on Saturday night, and yes, it may have been a foregone conclusion on who was going to win the award. Most everybody thought it was going to be Joe Burrow, and deservedly so, it was. That's right, Joe Burrow, the quarterback from LSU, won the Heisman Trophy for his fantastic 2019 season, and he won it by the largest margin of victory in the history of the Heisman Trophy. I mean, that is outstanding. And and why I want to kind of dive into this and what he was able to accomplish is not only because of his individual stats, but because of what he beat. I mean, Justin Fields, okay? Justin Fields had 40 passing touchdowns, one interception, and another 10 touchdowns on the ground. A Heisman Trophy season in any other season in college football legitimately Jonathan Taylor the running back from Wisconsin who wasn't even invited to New York had better statistics across the board than Derrick Henry did during his Heisman Trophy winning season at Alabama think about that those are just two players who would legitimately have won the Heisman Trophy in any other year than what Joe Burrow was able to accomplish. And Justin Fields finished third in the voting. Jalen Hurts finished second in the Heisman Trophy voting. It is truly unbelievable for what Joe Burrow was able to do in 2019. Hat tip to Ohio State, too. They were the first school in Heisman Trophy history to have yet, uh, excuse me, an offensive and a defensive player at the same year's Heisman Trophy ceremony, of course, being the quarterback, Justin Fields and defensive end, Chase Young. That's right. Burrow won by the largest margin of victory in Heisman history. He finished 1,846 points ahead of the second-place finisher, Jalen Hurts, the quarterback from Oklahoma. Burrow also received a record 90.7% of all first-place votes. That broke the previous record, I believe, held by Troy Smith from Ohio State. Here's maybe the most staggering statistic, and for a reason you may not expect. Joe Burrow was named on 95.5% of all ballots, which is another record. Yes, that is absolutely insane. He was named on 95.5% of all ballots. Each Heisman voter gets a ballot. They can put whoever they want on the ballot, which begs the question, who the hell are the 4.5% of voters who omitted Burrow? They didn't even have them in their top three. I think that's an issue. There are 870 voters in the Heisman Trophy Trust. That number might need to be dwindled down a little bit because for the sake of whatever, I can't figure out how 4.5% of the voting committee could not have Joe Burrow 
on their ballot. You know exactly who these people are also. These are the old head media types who are going to write articles, write columns on why they didn't have Burrow on their ballot. It's the sole reason people look for clicks, people want to be contrarian for the sake of, of an article. I mean, are we being serious here? Joe Burrow against AP top 25 teams this season was 143 for 182. That's 78.6% completion percentage for nearly 2,000 yards, 16 touchdowns, and two interceptions. They played a lot of AP top 25 teams this season, and Joe Burrow balled out. He is the second player in LSU history to win the Heisman Trophy. Billy Cannon was the first, and this season he took home the Heisman Trophy, the Maxwell Trophy, which is presented to the Player of the Year, the Walter Camp Player of the Year Trophy, the AP Associated Press Player of the Year Trophy, and the Davey O'Brien Quarterback of the Year Trophy. I mean, absolutely astounding. Again, I go back to the talent that he beat and the statistics that he beat. It is truly remarkable that he was able to win with the amount of votes and in the landslide fashion that he did when there are other players who legitimately would have won the Heisman Trophy in any other season. Burrow finished first, Jalen Hurts finished second, Justin Fields finished third, and Chase Young finished fourth. Another crazy stat, and one that I think a lot of college football fans will take notice to, especially with the topic that we're going to get to next, this was the third straight year that a transfer quarterback has won the Heisman Trophy. Let that sink in. The day and age of college football is ever-changing, and we are living in the age of the transfer quarterback, the transfer portal. For this to be the third straight year that a Heisman Trophy winner was a transfer QB, it really makes you scratch your head, and it makes you think, what are these coaches and recruiting coordinators thinking when they're looking for their next quarterback? Baker Mayfield, of course, transferred from Texas Tech. Kyler Murray transferred from Texas A&M, and Joe Burrow transferred to LSU from Ohio State. The best thing about Burrow, though, yeah, he had an awesome season. His speech Saturday night, man, it was really cool. And I tuned in at the end. Of course, I wanted to see who was going to win. Everybody thought it was going to be Joe Burrow. But when he got up to give his speech, man, he took his time getting to the stage, hugged his family, hugged Coach O, went and dapped up the other Heisman finalists that were there, and then he walked across the room and hugged Ryan Day, who's the head coach at Ohio State, obviously was the offensive coordinator when Joe Burrow was at Ohio State. Visibly emotional, and rightfully so. He thanked his offensive line first, which I thought was awesome. I mean, what he's been able to accomplish this season is in huge thanks to his offensive line. He's the first person to tell you that. He went through his entire roster on offense, thanking all those guys. Funny enough, he left off his running back, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Talked about that in his uh, post-press conference. He was like, I cannot believe I forgot my running back. You know, he definitely gave him the due that Clyde deserved. Then he talked about his family, how much his family has meant to him, how they stuck by his side through a tough decision when he was a grad transfer heading it down to LSU, how his dad, it was the first season in 51 years that his dad had not played or coached football. He retired so that he could watch Joe throughout his senior season. I mean, that is a special sacrifice that I think most parents would most certainly make if your son was a power five starting quarterback, especially for LSU when they had high hopes heading into this season. 
spoke about the state of Louisiana and how much it's embraced him, how much he has embraced it, how hard work really translates well on the bayou, and I think that's just a hat tip to the culture down there, and he fit in extremely well. These are real moments that you see Joe Burrow, he kind of lets his guard down, has a couple of seconds to take a deep breath and really appreciate what's happening around him, and then he got extremely emotional when talking about Coach O. I mean, Coach O was holding back tears. Burrow started crying, just saying that Coach O took a chance on him, and he was forever thankful for what Ed Orgeron had meant to him personally and to his family to give the kid from Athens, Ohio, a chance, a kid who had done nothing at Ohio State. He was buried on the depth chart behind fantastic talent, Dwayne Haskins in the NFL, JT Barrett, national champion quarterback, and now Justin Fields, who obviously was a Heisman finalist as well. I mean, Coach O had the foresight to take a chance on a guy who was on the depth chart, buried on the depth chart at Ohio State, paired him with Joe Brady this season after knowing what Burrow was capable of just a year ago, and they found magic in a bottle. And then he thanked Ohio State. I mean, this kid went down the list, did everything necessary, talked about his hometown, talked about how he's not from the greatest place, Athens, Ohio, home to Ohio U, but as you know, a lot of college campuses are surrounded by impoverished areas. And he just said, look, this is for Athens, Ohio. Not a lot of people have a lot of stuff there. If you're watching this, you can do it too. I mean, my fandom of Joe Burrow grew when I saw him last week in person at the SEC Championship game. What he was able to do on the field, I was extremely impressed. And then as the person gets up there and accepts the Heisman Trophy with just a vulnerable speech, a grateful speech, hat tip to Joe Burrow. He deserves it, man. Tough to going to be root against him in the – uh, playoffs and, and national championship, but I'm going with Clemson. I mean, I've said that here. I think Clemson's going to win the national championship. What an awesome speech. I, I think the Heisman was fortunate to have such a gracious winner because it really showed the human nature of college football and what anybody can accomplish with hard work, perseverance, grit. Burrow embodies all of those. So Joe Burrow, I am, uh, I'm clapping for you. That's awesome. Good luck in the college football playoff, and then unfortunately it looks like you're going to have to play for Mike Brown in the Cincinnati Bengals. I know you're from Southeast Ohio, but uh, there are probably better landing spots in the NFL than Cincinnati, but probably get $38 million guaranteed as well. So that's my Joe Burrow speech. Again, I just think it was really cool. It was cool to witness, and it'll be fun to continue watching him throughout the playoffs. All right, speaking of going pro, which Burrow will have to do because he's done with this college eligibility. It brings me to our next topic, and that, of course, is Jake Fromm. What's Jake Fromm going to do? All right, Georgia, they just had finals. They're getting ready for bowl practice. They're playing in the Sugar Bowl for the second consecutive year against Baylor, and you haven't heard much from Jake Fromm. What's he going to do? Is he going to stay in school and come back for his senior season to try to really finish off what he's been able to accomplish at Georgia, which is a hell of a lot? Or is he going to go pro? A lot of people are starting to wonder what Jake Fromm is going to do. And I was on UGASports.com. Shout out Roddy Nabolsi and the UGASports.com staff. They have an awesome website. If you're not subscribed to them, I would highly recommend it. I think it's one of the best places to get all the latest news, rumors, storylines around Georgia football. And Roddy, forgive me if if this is not supposed to be uh, disseminated, this information, but I saw this from Roddy 
on their message board, the dog vent, and I'm just going to start reading it, okay, because Roddy has his ear to the ground on what's happening with the Jake Fromm situation, and then I'll give you my two cents after I read this. Roddy said he's receiving a large number of questions about Jake Fromm going pro or staying, and instead of just answering once uh, every time a question's raised, he just posted, all right? And most importantly, number one, he says Fromm has not made a decision yet. Yes, it's it's Monday, December 16th. This decision is going to come sooner than later. He has not made a decision yet. He says, number two, as of this summer, Jake Fromm was planning on leaving early. If you recall, the NFL flew Fromm and Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle, to the NFL Combine last year after their sophomore year so they could see how the process works. Roddy believes it was in anticipation of them both coming out Early. Andrew Thomas is a locked top 10 pick. He is gone for sure. Third point. Roddy says, Fromm has yet to receive his official NFL draft projection. That will probably come in the coming days. It is expected soon, possibly this week. He has heard from late second round or early third round in speculation, but the NFL assessment will be more substantial and accurate. Four, a few NFL teams have shown interest and think they can tweak Fromm's mechanics. Five, the fear of getting injured is a strong factor for Fromm. Look at the number of SEC quarterbacks who were hurt this year, most notably, of course, Tua Tungavailoa. Six, and this one's important. We are told he has a girlfriend who will be in grad school at UGA. That could keep him in school. Yes, that certainly could keep him in school. Do not overlook that 6.7. Fromm doesn't talk about it much and is keeping his cards close to the vest. Don't blame him there. Eight, he was not thrilled with how the offense performed and would like to go more up-tempo. All right, so with all that being said, and great reporting by Roddy Nabulsi, again, I apologize if that was not supposed to be read aloud on the Punt and Pass podcast, but what's going to happen? What do I think is going to happen? I'm not sure, but but the more the silence is growing, the more I think Jake Fromm might leave, right? I, I mean, I don't necessarily see the offense being much, much better. One thing that I do think Fromm will take into account, well, two things, really. Andrew Thomas leaving, probably Isaiah Wilson leaving as well. His two top tackles will not be in school. He's going to have to break in a left tackle and a right tackle. That certainly will play into Fromm's decision. But the second one, and Seth Emerson wrote a great piece on this in The Athletic last week. There is an analytics guy from formerly Bleacher Report or SB Nation, now with ESPN, who has broken down tons and tons of predictive analytics heading in to new season starting. And he wrote last year that the biggest predicator for offensive success was the returning receiving yards on a roster. Georgia had nearly none, right? Georgia lost a ton of top talent at the receiving position heading into 2019, and and obviously their offense did not live up to the hype. Next year, they will be returning a lot of receivers. Will that information be presented to Jake Fromm before he makes his decision? I would hope so, but I wonder this as well. I wonder if Jake Fromm didn't want a new offensive coordinator. What if he expressed that to Kirby Smart? Said, Kirby, coach, I don't want my third offensive coordinator in as many years heading into the most important season of my life. If I do return 
to Georgia? What if he said, hey, what if we do go more up-tempo? What if, what if we change the schematics just a little bit to maybe speed up the pace, get the ball to our players in space? We had Clint Bowling on the podcast last week. He said, you'd like to see more screens. You'd like to see more tunnel screens. Get the ball out of Fromm's hand quick. Get the ball into the speedsters, the athletic guys' hands in space and let them make a play. I mean, you don't want to have to buckle down in the offseason for the second straight offseason and have to learn another offensive system when you're heading in to your senior year. Maybe James Coley and Matt Luke can entice him and say, hey, man, here's what I'm going to bring from Ole Miss. Here's what I was able to do and develop great wide receivers at Ole Miss. Think about DK Metcalf. Think about A.J. Brown. NFL talent, and I think we can maybe do that here at Georgia, I would really wonder if Coach Luke could talk to Jake Fromm and maybe talk him into staying. But I think the silence is deafening. I look forward to hearing about what Jake decides. And if he does decide to go pro, maybe it's he'll come out and say, look, I got this grade, you know, based on the type of offense we do run here at Georgia, I don't necessarily see how I could improve my draft stock. That's one route he could take. He could say, look, I'm losing two top tackles. I'm losing DeAndre Swift. I'm losing Brian Herring. Now is the right time for me. It's going to be interesting. I highly doubt he'd come out and say, look, I've taken a lot of heat even though I'm one of, if not the most successful quarterback on the field in team play, besides Buck Blue, who has a national championship, to play at Georgia. Yet, if we don't score 45 points a game or if we do lose to South Carolina and we turn the ball over four times, I'm the you know number one most wanted villain in the state. I mean, those things play into a college kid's psyche when trying to make the biggest decision of his life. So I'm just going to tell you right now, I think Jake Fromm leaves. I I really do. I I think he's going to look at the entire situation as a whole, probably come to the conclusion that he doesn't have the ability to really make a gigantic leap in his draft stock heading into 2020. And I'm sure agents are telling him the same saying, Hey, let's cash in now, get you in the right system to where we can get your mechanics fixed. And then, Hey, in a couple years from now, You could be a starter in the NFL. Just takes one, guys. Just takes one. You don't need all 32 teams to love you. So we'll see what Fromm is able to do, but I'll have to tell you right now. I'm guessing that he leaves, and I'm guessing that Georgia dips into the transfer portal to kind of catch some of that magic in a bottle, like I told you a couple minutes ago. Third straight year, a Heisman Trophy winner was a transfer quarterback. One more thing I want to talk about. And and this happened on Twitter over the weekend. Georgia had a huge recruiting weekend. A lot of five stars, four stars trying to close up right before early signing day starts this Wednesday. And a couple Georgia Tech people were picking up on Georgia using Atlanta as a recruiting tool. All right, now I've been overspoken or outspoken on how I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Coach Collins, Georgia Tech's head coach, has like claimed Waffle House. I think it's kind of cheesy. It's played out. Everybody loves Waffle House. I mean, I love Waffle House. It is not a Georgia Tech thing by any means. But he is branding Georgia Tech as an Atlanta school, and I don't blame him. You know, hashtag 404 the culture. Do all your stuff. I know recruiting can get a bit cheesy at times, but do what you got to do. Well, it comes out this weekend, Georgia using a backdrop. Welcome to Atlanta, U-G-A-T-L. 
Uh, the varsity sign, which is allowed because there's a varsity in Athens. I-85 interstate, I don't know about that. I mean, Georgia's not really close to I-85. I see the Trap House from the Two Chains album cover. Of course, he's an Atlanta icon. Waffle House is in there, too, which I kind of cringed at a little bit. But then it says Peachtree Street crossing with Bulldog Way, a backdrop of the cityscape of Atlanta, and then Sanford Stadium in there as well. All right, well, you know, if you're from out of town and you come to Athens, chances are you're going to fly into Atlanta and make that hour-and-a-half drive down 316 to the greatest university on earth. I get that. But you know what? As much as I don't like them claiming Atlanta, they can do whatever they want. And that's what I said on Twitter. I said, you know what? When you beat a team's ass 52-7, to and that said team, being Georgia Tech, has not beaten Georgia in Atlanta since 1999, over 20 years ago. As much as I don't approve of it, Georgia can do whatever they want when it comes to saying welcome to Atlanta. When it comes to claiming I-85 or Waffle House or Sanford, I mean, or, or the Varsity logo, I mean, I would have gone a different route. Maybe if I was working in the recruiting department at Georgia, I probably would have said, hey, guys, I would probably steer away from this. But it, it looks funny. Um, you know, the Waffle House thing kills me a little bit inside. But I just go back to Georgia dominating Georgia Tech for the better part of 20 years and simply saying, these guys can do whatever the hell they please. So hat tip to them. We'll see how Georgia closes in recruiting. I know uh, Tate Ratledge, the four-star offensive lineman, had a good meeting with Coach Luke. He is staying as a Georgia Bulldog commit, and there are some four- and five-stars who possibly could commit as well this week, which would just be huge. Georgia does need to finish strong. They're kind of reeling a little bit in the team rankings, which I don't really read that much into. Everybody knows how much they love four- and five-star commitments and signees, but go back to our interview last week with Clint Bowling. Hey, those three stars that really develop into NFL talent, those are your catalysts. A guy like Clint Bowling, a guy like Boss Andrews, a guy like Ben Jones, who are starters in the NFL. They were not highly regarded recruits, and there are plenty who are playing for Georgia right now. If you can develop that talent and make them real catalysts on the field, they can certainly get you to the next level, especially when you want to try to win championships. So, look... I wouldn't have done it. I would not have done the Waffle House Welcome to Atlanta thing personally, but Georgia can do whatever they want. And and if I was on the Georgia Tech side, I'd probably be saying the same because I'm a realist. I see things from both sides of the coin. You can't necessarily claim Atlanta when you haven't done shit to claim it. My two cents. My two cents. Seeing that uh, James Cook got arrested over the weekend in Athens, a bit unfortunate. Running back James Cook, the details have emerged. He was pulled over around 1244 Eastern Time AM on December 14th. He was downtown in his Dodge Charger. He had a dealer tag, kind of swerved out of the way or got into a different lane. He didn't swerve. He got, got into a different lane when he saw a police officer was following him. Uh, the date on the dealer tag was expired. The officer says, sir, it smells like marijuana. Is there any in the car? And James Cook said, no, sir, we've smoked it all. So, (laughs) I mean, I guess I give him props for not lying to him. And and they didn't find anything else in the car except some shake is what they call it, which I believe is marijuana residue. And, uh, yeah, he gets arrested for having an open container of Hennessy cognac in the back, um, admitting to have smoked marijuana and... 
his license, Florida issue license, was not valid. That that's what really surprises me here because I know how things work in Athens, and each and every student athlete, especially on the football team, has to prove that their license is valid if they have one. I know that for a fact. That is not an oversight from the administration. That is not an oversight from the football player support office. Don't know how that gets through the cracks, right? If you don't have a valid driver's license, you probably shouldn't be driving in the first place. If you don't have valid insurance, you probably should not be driving in the first place. If you don't have a valid dealer tag, you probably shouldn't be driving in the first place. And if you've smoked marijuana and have an open bottle of Hennessy in the back seat, might just want to stay at home. Probably don't go driving around East Clayton Street downtown at 12.45 a.m. on a weekend when you know damn well there's going to be plenty of people and law enforcement out on the streets. So James Cook um, probably would have advised you to Uber if you needed to get somewhere. Probably would have advised you to not drive. I'm glad, though, that he uh, didn't have anything else like drunk driving, DUI, any of the other stuff. He just got taken in and was arrested on two charges, and then he was bailed out. So we'll see. I'm sure Kirby Smart will be able to handle that internally well that about covers all the news and storylines of this past week in college football hope you guys enjoy these shorter episodes with me as your host walking you through what i think on these storylines and what all is going around the world of college football please be sure to sign up for our bowl pick it's on espn.com check out our social media channels where you can sign up we're giving away prizes for the top three finishers at punt and pass on twitter and instagram you can find the link there and of course you have to download the prize picks app it's the holiday season i know you want a little bit extra cash in your pocket i know you want a little bit extra cash to buy some presents Download the Prize Picks app. Use the promo code PNP or go to myprizepicks.com. Use the promo code PNP. All you have to do is click on a couple of players. They can be from different sports NBA, NHL, NFL, college basketball, whatever. And you have to guess if they're going to go over or under their fantasy point projections. Prize Picks is daily fantasy simplified. Download the app or go to myprizepicks.com. Use the promo code PNP for a free $25 to get started. It's awesome. It's easy. It's fun. Follow them at Prize Picks on social media. Follow me at Drew Butler on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron is at AaronMarie11, and we are at Punt and Pass. We'll talk to you on Thursday. If you have anything you want me to talk about, holler at me on social media. Until then, we will see you.